Go with me to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3, there's um, this scripture verse that uh, I've loved for a long time, and we've, we've preached on it several months ago here. But in Ephesians chapter 3, and then we'll pick it up in verse number, well, yeah, let's just start in verse 14. Anyway, this is, this is a text, but I'm not going to preach just out of this right now, but I want to focus on one thing. And I want to connect it with what's happening, what's coming up with us. We have um, on Easter weekend, which is the April 19th weekend or whatever, we've got our friend back with us, Justin Abraham from, from uh, Cardiff, Wales. Yeah. And uh, it's going to be an amazing weekend. And we titled the weekend Beyond. Just hit your neighbor and say, Beyond. Hit them. I mean, nudge them. That might be better. But anyway, but there's a word here. There's a word here, and I preached on this a little while ago, but I want us to read this. Let's just pick it up in verse number 14. It says this, For this reason, I bow my knee before the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. May he grant to you, out of the rich treasury of his glory, to be strengthened and reinforced with his mighty power, in the inner man by the Holy Spirit himself, indwelling your innermost being and personality. That's, this is amplified, but I don't know what yours says, but it's really, really nice. And then it says, may he grant to you, I want to, actually, let's read that again. May he grant to you, may he give you, he's, Paul's praying, and he's saying, I'm praying for you, and I take this as a prayer for us here today, 2019, Catch the Fire, Winnipeg. I pray that you would be uh, that out of the rich treasury of his glory, you would be strengthened and reinforced with the mighty power in the inner man by the Holy Spirit himself, indwelling your innermost being and personality. How many would like a little more of that? Take it. And it says, may Christ, through your faith, actually dwell, settle down, abide, make his permanent home in your hearts. May you be rooted and in love, and be deeply founded securely on love, that you may have the power and be strong to apprehend and grasp with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height of it, of his love, that you may really come to know practically through experience for yourselves, not just an intellectual knowing, but you'll practically know the love of Christ, which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience, that you may be filled, somebody say filled, Throughout your being, unto all the fullness of God, that you may have the rich, richest measure of the divine presence and become a body wholly filled and flooded with God Himself. <laughs> Let's try that again. <laughs> like, seriously, like, this is His prayer. He's saying, guys, I want you to know, I want you to experience that you would experience a body, that your body and the body, but your body individually, would be flooded with the revelation of the fullness of God inside of you. That you'd just be flooded with that. Do you ever feel like you're going to explode? Has anyone ever felt like that? This is what he's talking He's talking about, he's like, I, I'm praying that you would be so aware of how much how full you are, how full you are of God, the fullness of God, just like God in you, that you would just explode on people. You would explode everywhere you go. It's interesting that the word power uh, that we often read is dunamis, which we get the word dynamite, that same concept, is explosive. Isn't that interesting? So, so your, your personality that, that was you know, developed through human experience and through upbringing and that sort of thing, this trumps your personality. Show me in Scripture where you read introvert, extrovert, blah, 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 blah. Now, God works with our personalities, but when, when we walk in the revelation of the fullness of God, that the fullness of God would just indwell us, it... 
it means that his personality would take reign and, 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 and supremacy over your personality. Woo, okay. Oh, that was okay. That was okay. I remind myself of that, you know. It's like you come into a situation, maybe there's some fear, maybe there's some, you know, this or whatever. Then we need to recalibrate our minds, renew our minds to the reality, the truth that the word says that I'm I'm a body, that he's made his home, his permanent dwelling place in me. So mm, I just rest in the awareness of that. And the more I become aware of that, it's like my personality and my desires and my thinking takes like not just second place, but like out the window compared to what he, right? All right. Okay. This isn't even where we're going really today, but I want to get this one verse in here. And I love what this says here in verse number 20. Now to him who by the consequence of the action of his power that works within us, he is able to carry out his purpose and do, and I love what the Amplified says, it says super abundantly, far over, above and beyond what we ever could ask or think, infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, hopes, or dreams. Okay, so that's where I get the word. I don't know what your translation says there, but that's where that word, I read the word in verse number 20, 320, Ephesians 3.20, that he is able to do beyond whatever I ask or pray or think, whatever. And I, I brought this out when I preached on that passage of Scripture several months ago. It says there, it says that this power, he's able to do this beyond according to the power that works within us. And the word power is dunamis, and the word works is energio, which means power that moves. So if, if you didn't hear the message, try to find it online somewhere. Because the bottom line is this. If you want to step into the beyond of what God's asking and saying is available, or telling us it's available, then that power has to move in you. And I, I gave that, that illustration of the light and the power source to the light. And the light doesn't work. The power's there, but the light's not working because the power isn't moving. So you flip the switch and the power moves through that element and the light happens and you can see the results, the fruit of the power. Right? And so the deal is, he's able to do beyond. It's one thing to say he's able to do beyond. That's great. God is able to do beyond what I ever asked. But it's according to the power that works. So if you want to experience beyond what you could ask or imagine, you need to start to allow the power to flow through you. Hmm. Okay. So having said that, the purpose of, we're doing this, we call this conference Beyond, and the reason we called it Beyond was really for me, and personally, was for this here verse right here. This verse right here where it says, he is able to do exceedingly, above, exceedingly abundantly beyond whatever I ask for or think or imagine or pray. He's able to do that according to the power that works within us. And Justin, uh, if you were with us for the how many were at the Justin Abraham conference last year? Give us a wave if you were there. Okay. How many are signed up and ready to go this year coming up? Most of the same people. How many were not there last year with Justin? Okay, how many are planning on going this year? That's all those hands that were up earlier too. <laughs> I'm just trying to see. Because here's the deal. Um, Justin, he does, he, he carries, um, he walks in a revelation that will cause you to uh, see things beyond what you normally would see. Okay, and the beautiful thing about Justin is that he just, when he shares, he'll just simply say, listen, you don't need to believe me or believe in what I'm saying or even take this. I'm so not offended. You're powerful to, to take what you, uh, what, you know, God reveals to you and whatnot. But I'm just going to lay out here, you know, how I see it in Scripture and what God's showing me and stuff. So he lays it out. And it'll stretch your mind, your natural thinking. It just will, you know. And so my thing is, you know, uh, as John and Carol were sharing at the conference even uh, just a few weeks ago, be prior to the big outbreak of the Holy Spirit in Toronto in 94, the Lord asked for, he said, I want two things. He said, I want, I want, you, I want you to give me your mornings. And so they just would get up and worship and pray and seek the Lord. And the second thing he said was, and I want you to get around anointed people. In other words, if you know some people or see some people and you're like, man, something's happening with them beyond what I'm experiencing personally, Right? Even though I may not, they, they may not even be in my stream per se, but I, I want to, but something that I can see God's at work. There's fruit happening here. There's fruit growing here. 
And so that's what they started doing. And I've told people that for years and years and years. I'm like, uh, you need to just go and get with people that will cause you to go higher, right? Even if you don't understand it or if you don't. But if you've got a hunger in your heart, like a burning heart, like we were singing about, that's the key. See, once your heart starts burning, you can get into beyond. Because what happened in Luke 24, they're on the road to Emmaus. Jesus walks up to the disciples. Some of them are cruising down the road after coming from the tomb, the empty tomb. And they're, they're, they're absolutely confounded. They're like... They're a little bit distraught, even though he told them many times over, I'm coming again, I'm going to rise again three days later, don't worry about it. So they see this, they witness this, experience it, and as they're walking along, they don't recognize, they don't have the revelation that this now is the resurrected Jesus, which is quite something. Actually, their eyes were, were veiled. And so as they're walking, Jesus starts talking to them about Moses and the prophets, and he starts just going through things that they knew. And as he's doing that, they say later, Something happened on the inside of them. Their hearts started burning. And then, and, then, and then they said, they still didn't know it was Jesus. And then all of a sudden they said, you got to come with us. They actually accosted him. The word there, it says that they, they said, come and, come and stay with us. Come and eat with us. Because he, 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 it looked like he was going to keep walking. You can read it in Luke chapter 24. And he said, and so because of their demand that they put on Jesus... Then he, he, he went with them, and there they are in the house. He breaks bread, and it says that when he broke bread, and they took this, all of a sudden their eyes were opened, and they, they knew it was Jesus. And they're like, whoa! And then it says, and then he vanished. <laughs> so here's my point. It's so important to have a burning heart. Say, God, I want my heart to burn, because when your heart burns for him, and then it says this, then it says once they realized that it was Jesus and he vanished, then they're like, did not our hearts burn within us when we were on the road? You see, because when your heart is burning inside you, when you have a burning heart, you're just so hungry for God and passionate. It's like, God, I don't know what it's going to look like or I don't really care what it looks like. I just want the fullness of everything you have for me. I want it. I don't want to miss out on one thing. And because their heart was burning, their heart was leading them, not their minds. If your mind leads you, you only accept what you can understand. And so to get into the beyond what you could ask or imagine, you got to have a burning heart. I'm, I'm glad you guys did that this morning. I wasn't even thinking about this, but it still works. As your heart burns, that our hearts would burn because their hearts were burning. They took hold of Jesus and they said, no, 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 stay with us. Come, come, come with us. And the, even though they didn't know who he was at the time. And then, boom, then their eyes opened. Revelation came. Oh, it's Jesus, yeah. And all the things sorted out. So with, with our conference that we're having coming up in, in, uh, at the end of April, near the end of April, um, I'm praying for two things. I'm praying, one, that our hearts would be burning and that the purpose of the conference is to gather burning hearts that would, that would say yes to God, whatever it looks like, Lord, whatever you have, I'm in. I just want, I want more. I want, I'm in, right? And so that's the purpose of that. So if you haven't registered yet, you missed a great opportunity, but there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Because we offered a, a 50%, it was a 50% off uh, rate up until the end of January, and you've probably been blasted with emails about it and stuff and seen it. However, uh, it's still, we're still a great rate. The prices will go up closer to the date of it. And we also will announce today that we're actually going to be meeting right here the whole weekend. So we're not going somewhere else or whatever. We were able to secure this venue, so we're excited about that. We finally, the reason we haven't given details is because we didn't have things secured yet. So anyway, so this is, this is where we're going. So when you, when you read that word, I want to I unpack this a little bit over the next, not the next two weeks following this, but in coming weeks before the conference. Because there's a word here beyond that is such an interesting word, I think. It, it means like, in excess of, or, or um, farther than, or over and above, like beyond. So some areas I felt the Lord just speaking to me about regarding that word beyond was that, um, well, we'll talk a little bit about this this morning, just about, if you just take, break it down into a few things. Let's break down, first of all, let's just talk about this. Worship. Because of Jesus and what he did at the cross, um, 
what should our worship experience look like? And when I talk about worship, I'm going to talk about, you know, singing and music and that sort of thing. So I'm talking corporately too, but just I'm talking about even a lifestyle of worship, like a lifestyle of adoration and praise to God. What does that look like? Well, first of all, because Jesus did what he did, what was one of the things that happened when Christ rose from the dead? What, what happened? There was a bit of an earthquake, was there not? Huh? Yeah. Okay, sorry. When, when, <laughs> when, when, there was, obviously, there must have been some shaking, but the, two, the thing rolled away. But when Jesus actually just died, what, was, what, what happened there on the cross? What happened? Good. Okay, what else happened? Went dark. Okay, then what else happened? Whoa! Wow! So what happened then when Jesus... The veil was... Wow! (laughs) So what does that mean? Basically what that means is, is there was something that happened through Christ's death and then, of course, resurrection. But through his death, he made a way so that every person would have full access into the intimate glory presence of God. Full access. We're not waiting for a veil to be torn. So when I hear that word beyond, I I, want to encourage us to worship beyond the veil. Many times we don't worship beyond the veil. We worship behind the veil. Because we're asking God to do something that he already did. Because we base our worship experience on what we feel. Well, I don't really feel, well, I feel it's a little hot in here today. Or I feel it's a little cold. Or I, I don't feel... I don't sense your presence, Lord. That, that, those, those are moot points because the truth is the veil is torn. Whether you feel it or don't feel it or, or whatever, the deal is you can worship beyond the veil, not behind the veil. The, there's no, the veil's been ripped apart. I recently heard somebody, you know, singing this song prophetically about, you know, you're tearing the veil or you're ripping the veil, and I'm like, that just totally does not jive with my theology as I see in Scripture the veil has been torn. And so, anyway, so I want to talk about worship this morning. And I want, to, I want us to just see as a church the culture that we're trying to establish regarding worship. You know, like I've, I've how many enjoy, you enjoy the worship here, okay? A lot of people have told me that before. I enjoy it as well. I have encouraging words for you all. Uh, we're going to go beyond. Like, like... Worship is great and has been great, but he's always calling us beyond. <laughs> so, yeah, okay, good. Now, let's, let's back up the bus. So let's just focus in on worship here for this morning for the next few moments. Amos chapter 9, okay? In Amos chapter 9, we'll pick it up in verses 11 through 13. It says this, it says, In that day I will raise up the fallen booth of David... And wall up its breaches, I will also raise up the ruins and rebuild it as in the days of old, that they may possess the remnant of Edom and the nations, and all the nations who are called by my name, declares the Lord, who does this. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when the plowman will overtake the reaper and the treader of grapes to him who sows seed, when the mountains will drip sweet wine and all the hills will be dissolved. Okay? So there's something here about this. There's a, it's a prophetic word about basically what Jesus is going to do. And, and it's a prophetic word about, I believe it's, it's like prophetic about the messianic promise, but not just that, about Jesus the Messiah. But also, I think this even connects into what we were talking about before, the billion soul harvest prophecy. The prophecy. See, what happens here, he's talking about, in the day, in that day, I will raise up the fallen tent of David. Now, he's starting to get into language here that the people would understand. There were, there were kind of two different there were two different expressions of worship in this day that he's talking about, or prior to this day that he's talking about. There was the tabernacle of Moses, you know, in the desert that, that moved around. They, they, he got the revelation of that from the, from the glory when, when how to develop, um, develop the temple, the tabernacle, what it would look like. There was outer court, inner court, holy of holies. But then he's talking about something different, though, than that. He's not talking about the tabernacle of Moses. That was a quiet worship experience. That was a flow from the outside in where, where there, people would come in outer court, inner court, and then into the holy holies. And the, the closer you got to the manifest presence of God, 
the less people could go in there. In fact, only one could go in once a year. Okay? So then when David came along, we'll see it here in a minute, but when David came along, the Lord instructed him. He said, that was what happened before, but I want to take it beyond. Because what I'm going to do is I want to, I want to, I want to show you what's going to come. What's going to come when, when Jesus comes and sorts this whole thing out where he does rip the veil. So what, what David did then was he, he was instructed to, to, to build the tabernacle in a way that, was, that the glory would be seen from Mount Zion. So when the, when the Ark of the Covenant was up on the, on the tabernacle in David's tabernacle, there was music and dance and worship, and it was 24-7 music and celebration and dance and prophetic worship. And there were, you could see the glory shining from Mount Zion for all to see. It was a prophetic picture of something to happen that not just one person would experience, but everyone can. Okay? So, he was saying, so, and it says here in Amos, it says, I, In that day I will raise up the fallen booth of David, the tabernacle of David. I will wall up its breaches. Also, I'll raise up the ruins and rebuild as, as in the days of old. And then it says, then the days are coming, this is beautiful, when, <laughs> when the plowman will overtake the reaper and the treader of grapes to him who sows seed, when mountains will drip sweet wine and hills will be dissolved. This is a picture of perpetual harvest. It's a picture of a, a, an ongoing reformation, more than revival. It's like revival on the revival on steroids on the revival, right? It's like, where, where the, the, the seed will go in the ground, but even before, it's like the seed goes in the ground and it's harvested and then another seed goes and it's harvested. Like it's just like a perpetual harvest. The plowman will ta- overtake the reaper. <laughs> it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And, it, it, and, and people will be like, they'll be like this, they'll be like, whoa, that's beyond my, boy, that's beyond my wildest imagination. Whoa, that's beyond, I never thought this could be like this. Remember we said a few weeks ago, we said, let's just think like 15% of the world's population. So 15% of Manitoba. How many people are in Manitoba? How many? Okay, let's make it a little, huh? Okay, how about how many people in in Winnipeg? I know we're not all from Winnipeg, but how many people in Winnipeg? Approximately 800,000. So 15% of 800,000 is 124,000 people. Now if, now, if the plowman's overtaking the reaper and there's a perpetual harvest happening, that, that's going to be like, whoa, 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 oh, where did all these people, what in the world, where did these people come from? Are you hearing what I'm saying? So if we believe the Bible to be true and we believe, you know, the words of the prophets and what prophetic voices are saying, I think it would probably be advantageous of us to prepare for these things, Yeah? Like, what, what do you do as a farmer, and you're expanding your operation, you'll go and see Doug and get some more, you know, capacity. I need, I need a bigger dryer. I need more bins. I mean, you know, because you're preparing for a harvest. It costs you something. You plan for it. You plan ahead. And then the harvest comes, and then you have somewhere to, something to do with the harvest, somewhere to put the harvest so I think that's also that's part, one of the reasons, too, by the way, we are still actively looking for buildings, and we are, so you can keep praying with us. We've looked at many, and nothing's settled yet, but we firmly believe that God, in his timing, he's got the place for us, the right place for us. And so that's an ongoing process, and so don't grow weary in well-doing, for in due season you're going to reap a harvest in a building if you don't faint. So I just, you know, it's like we don't announce every time we go look at a building, okay? We went and looked at one a few weeks ago. We're like, eh, it's just a couple weeks ago. No, that's not going to work. But the point is we're preparing for a harvest. It's like the building, in a sense, is a bit of a barn, you know what I mean, or a a granary for the harvest, right? But like I said last week, your house is also a fishing boat, right? So anyway... So, in particular, though, this worship thing, let's just look at this here. So, what was it like in the days of old? Well, I'm glad you asked, because he says this is what it's going to be like as in the days of old. In the days of old, with, with Saul as king, the, um, the enemy captured the Ark of the Covenant, okay, which would be like the presence of God, the power of God. They, they captured the Ark. And so, David then, when David is anointed king, it says in 1 Chronicles chapter 13, Uh, Verse number three, it says, 
And let us bring again the ark of God to us, for we did not seek it during the days of Saul. So right off the hop, David was one who said, he, he was a burning heart guy. He's like, my heart burns. I long for God's presence. We need to get his presence back. Now, understand this. You have his presence if you're born again. But in this context, David's like, we need to get the, his presence back. We need to get his presence back. And so then you see in 1 Chronicles 13, 7, they went and they carried the ark of God on a new cart from the house of Abinadab and Uzzah from Ohio drove the cart. That was a joke. That was a joke. Ohio is, is his name, A-H-I-O, but, you know, anyway, okay. All right. So, so you see this. So, so what hap- what's happening here is David is, is saying we have, to get, we have to get things back on track. We have to get back to the original plan God had for his nation. We're a nation of worshipers. The original plan was Moses went to Pharaoh and said, let my people go that we may worship. It's always, it always comes back to worship. Let my people go that they may worship. And so that was the whole thing, to get them up out of bondage. And so they went out, and, and you know, that happened. But, but then David says, we got to get back to the main thing. The main thing has to be the main thing. My heart burns within me. And, and my heart, I, we need to inquire of the Lord. We need to have his presence back in our camp. The enemy can't have what was intended for us. And so what happened was they, they went out, and it says there, it says they, they, they put it on a new cart. And... Um, <laughs> it wasn't, this is not how God instructed them to worship or carry his presence. It wasn't to be put on a cart. When the original mandate came, it says the Ark of the Covenant shall be carried on the hands and the arms of the priests. So it's, his presence is to be carried by people, not by modern convenience. I've said this before, um, I've said this before about uh, concerning worship and corporately, we don't want to be a church of new cart worship, where, where we, 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 just, we do the songs and we do the top 40 and what's popular today and the way it should be, we think, and the world would say, or even the corporate church world per se or whatever, not bashing that, but we, we want to do what God's called us to do. And, 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 and it's not about, it's even, I mean, I love it if we, if we don't have a live band or a full band or anything, hey, you can worship with music on a, an MP3 or a CD or whatever. That's great. That's awesome. Okay, that's fine. But if you're relying on God's presence to affect your life based on a CD or based on someone else doing something, you're missing the point. Because we are instructed as the priests of God to carry his presence on our hands. That's why I love raising my hands in worship, one of the many reasons. I'm reminding myself, just as the Levites carried the Ark of the Covenant on their hands, I just put my hands up, whether I'm sitting down or standing up, I put my hands up because it's like I'm reminding myself I'm carrying your presence. And I'm not going to let some new cart try to carry your presence. All right. (laughs) So, you see this happening, and, and um, um, yeah, so in, in a sense there, because you'll see that the, even if you read the story, the history of it, you'll see that this is how the enemy dealt with the Ark of the Covenant. It was carried on a, on a, on a, on a, on a cart. That's how it was carried out. So what happened was they started imitating what the enemy was doing and expecting God to do what he said he'd do, but he, they weren't doing it the way he told them to do it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You know, the world's plans or the world's systems or the world's way of doing things is not the way God told them how to do it there. You see? Okay. So, so, yeah, okay. <laughs> All right. Now, this is cool. Second Samuel chapter 6. 
If you want to go there, you can. I can read it out to you. But So what happened then, they sorted out all this stuff, because you know the, the guy we mentioned there, Uzzah, who went to steady the ark, he put his hand out on the ark to steady it, because it was on a new cart, and the cart was just going over humps and bumps, and it started to tip over, and Uzzah went out mm, to steady it. He's done. Suddenly, whoa, <laughs> okay, we better wait here for a minute, or however long it takes, we need to sort some things out, because something's not right. So David inquires of the Lord, we know, we know how then something happened, uh, they said, okay, where we are right now, Obedidim, you take the ark, and uh, we're just going to leave it here with you for now, and um, you, we're just going to, you, you, okay, thank you, just, you look after it, we got to sort some things out. So Obed-Edom gets this, gets the Ark of the Covenant. What, do you all know what happened to Obed-Edom? I love this. So Obed-Edom's there, and he's got the Ark of the Covenant on his property. And so now everything on his property is blessed. Everything starts increasing. Fruitfulness starts happening. Like his life is extremely blessed. So David, while inquiring of the Lord, I'm just kind of paraphrasing, somewhere along the lines, like he knew that there was blessing regarding the presence of the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God, but he's like, okay, we got to do something. Ah, we got to go back to the way things were at first. In other words, you know, uh, do the things that you did at first. Repent. Doesn't it say that in Revelation? It says repent, repent, do the things. Because you've, you've been able to have all the right doctrines and theology and teaching, identifying false prophets, false apostles, all that kind of stuff. But you've this one charge I hold against you. It's to the church of Ephesus. It says, you've abandoned your first love. So do the things you did at first. Go back to the way when you were first passionately in love with Jesus. Go back, and, and if you look in Scripture, you'll see that Acts chapter 19 was the first mention, really, of God doing something in Ephesus. And it was revival. It was like signs and wonders. It was like, this is beyond what we can imagine. And so they were birthed into this culture of supernatural. But somewhere along the line, they just started getting, it was like a new cart came in. They started being concerned about the form and the structure and the, and the, the, the who's who and you're good and you're not. And that's all good to discern and to, you know, false teachers, false apostles, all that kind of stuff. But he said, go back because there's a difference. See, the, the issue here is to the church in Ephesus, the angel writes and he, or he says, your heart isn't burning anymore. I'm concerned about your heart that's not burning anymore. So repent and go back to your first love. See, out of that first love and out of that heart of love that Paul talked about, he's writing to the church in Ephesus here in Ephesians, and he's saying he'll do beyond what you could ask or imagine. This is who he's talking to. And John was later talking to him. Are you following the bouncing ball here? Okay. But he's saying, you, you come back to that first love. Come back to that place. And I'll be able to do beyond. So the same thing happened here with David. And so David sorted it out. He's like, wait a minute. We're not going to do it the way the enemy did it. We got to do it the way God intended all along. So let's go back and do what we did at first. Okay. We carry his presence. Aren't you glad you're a priest today? You're priests and kings. We all are. So we have the opportunity, we carry, we house God's presence. Hoo-wee. I'm not going to try to get some cart along to carry what I'm intended to carry. I'm not going to rely on someone else to carry what I'm intended to carry. All right, so, so then it says here in David, verse 14, 2 Samuel chapter 6, and David was dancing before the Lord with all his might. He was spinning violently. He was wearing an, a linen ephod. Some say ephod, but he was wearing a linen, and, and I've said this before, he wasn't in his underwear. Some people think that. They're like, he was in his underwear. Great. It was the upper priestly garment. So what, what had happened was, but the reason that, and then it says here, it says he was dancing there, and they were, the whole house of Israel were shouting. They were bringing up the ark of the Lord, shouting, and the sound of a trumpet and as it happened, when the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michael, the daughter of Saul, this is David's wife, looked out the window and saw the king David leaping and dancing before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. Okay? So, and then she goes on to say, you know, 
later she scolds her husband. She says, why, why, who are you? You're dancing. You're out there in your linen apode, and you're dancing around, making a fool of yourself. And what did David say? He says, honey, I'll even get more indignified than this. He says, I, I don't, you know what? Uh-uh, we're not going down that road. And her thing was, you're a king. You're a king. Behave like a king. Dignified. All-powerful. You're a king. You should behave like a king. And he's like, no, 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 you don't understand. God's presence, sure there are kings, but God's presence requires priests to minister to the Lord. And so you see this here, he's dancing, and I shared this before, it's interesting because every so many paces they would, they would, they would, they would kill another uh, uh, um, bull, they'd kill another animal every, every, every so many paces. So by this time, David's not only going to be just in his linen, linen aphod, but he's going to be covered in blood too. And so he's, he's dancing there, and he's just making a spectacle, and it's loud, and it's celebra- celebratory, it's exciting, it's like, ah, beyond, beyond, beyond. And they're just having a good time. And he's dancing and spinning, but his wife looked out the window and despised him in her heart. So what happened in that moment is that she was struck barren because she couldn't celebrate what God was doing. And she couldn't carry it, exactly. She couldn't carry what God was doing. She, wasn't, she couldn't carry it. And so she was barren. And, and, um, but the, the thing I'd like to point out here is um, she was watching and not participating. <laughs> um, he was doing it before an audience of one. He wasn't, he wasn't doing it for the people. He wasn't dancing because of the people. No, no, he had a revelation. His heart was burning inside of him. And he's like, ah, just dancing around, free as a bird, crazy. They thought he was nuts. She thought he was nuts. And uh, he was, he was express. and so he was doing this for an audience of one where she was concerned about public opinion. What are people going to think about my husband, the king? And just, just look at yourself for, for a bit. Um, you know, when, when it comes to your own personal worship expression, I'm just throwing it out there. Just ask yourself the question. It's a good thing to ask yourself. Is my expression in worship um, influenced by what everyone else thinks? Or is it driven by a passion for the one and the only? <laughs> so when I talk about worship, worship beyond, beyond the veil, worship beyond what maybe even sometimes you're comfortable with. I, I love Jerry, and, and uh, she said to me the other day, she said, you know, uh, to come up and paint and stuff and, and during worship, we're like, Jerry, you should just paint and, you know, what God puts on your heart, just go ahead and begin to paint. And that was, this is, it was new for you, I guess, wasn't it? Fairly new for you to get up and paint like this and worship in front of people? Totally. <laughs> she, she thanked me. She goes, I was really, I was really kind of, you know, not, but you kind of pushed me into it kind of thing. Is that fair to say? Yeah. And, uh, and she thanked me for it. And uh, because what, even just her doing that, this is just a little expression of what it looks like for someone to worship beyond you know, uh, when, when, when Eric and Lindsay are leading or, or Dania, Elmer, when they're leading in worship, we always encourage our leaders, not in a performance striving way, but, but just, just go, go for it, you know, like just, just unhook and just soar, just go for it, right? And, uh, and it's interesting because what I feel we've experienced to date is, is not even drop in the bucket for what God is going to do and wants to do. And I'm excited. I celebrate what God's done, and I love, I love it all. But I feel like there's, there's a beyond, beyond coming, you know? <sighs> so, anyway, um, another thing about, about, about Michael was she was acting like her father, and um, David was ruling over his people as a servant, not a tyrant. So he's out there. They're bringing the presence back. They're saying the main thing is the main thing. We have to have the presence of God. Before we get into any kingly duties, we've got to first minister unto the Lord. We've got to get things sorted out here at this level, the heart level. And so um, 
anyway, another observation is he ended up uh, enjoying success while she was barren, which was kind of too bad. But anyway. All right. So how are we doing for time here? Lots of time. So I, I shared this earlier. So the difference then when, when David then restored the Ark of the Covenant to the nation of Israel, he brings the Ark back in. And the, the picture of worship changed from even Moses' day, where Moses' day, it was, it was a quiet it was a quiet worship. It was a solemn worship, as it were, you know. And uh, in David's day, though, there was deep, intimate worship. Deep presence of God was a big thing. There was open display, as I said earlier, of the glory of God. It was a tent on Mount Zion shining in the city. That's why, you know, you read uh, Psalm chapter 50, verse 1. It says, or sorry, verse 2. It says, out of Zion, the perfection and beauty of God has shone forth. Um, Psalm 132, 13. For the Lord has chosen Zion. He has desired it for his habitation. Uh, Psalm 19, 11, Sing praises to the Lord who dwells in Zion. Declare among the people his deeds. Psalm, or Isaiah 8, 18. The Lord of hosts who dwells on Mount Zion. Okay? Uh, Zechariah 2.10, sing for joy and be glad, O daughter of Zion, for behold, I am coming and I will dwell in your midst, declares the Lord. These are all promises and prophecies and, and what we saw happening in Zion there. Uh, you can read Psalm 48. Um, Isaiah 12.6, cry aloud, shout for joy, O inhabitant of Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. Uh, Psalm 133, Isaiah 31, like there's I like Isaiah 31.9, the Lord whose fire is in Zion or on Zion. So all these things, anytime you read in Scripture there, you read Zion on Zion, shining on Zion, fire on Zion, da-da-da-da. They're talking about the presence of God manifested on Mount Zion. Now, the beautiful thing about Amos chapter 9 is that it's not just about God dwelling in a certain place. Now we actually become the habitation of God. So now, that's why it says, we have come. Hebrews says, we have come to Mount Zion. We are actually part of, the, like, we're part of it. We're in. We're in Mount Zion. We're in. I'm part in. You're in. We're in. Together, we make up this governmental structure of the government of God, the display of the glory of God. So suddenly, so suddenly, it's like you, you, it's we're not we're not we're not trying to get somewhere. We're already there. It's to live in the revelation and reality of it is a different thing, though, isn't it? Do you know what I'm saying? But let's just look at this. So let's just look at what it looked like regarding this tabernacle, this this tent. Well, Jesus actually pointed out to it prophetically in Matthew chapter five. When he, when he said to the people this, he said, You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. And he's connecting it to what was happening. He, like, people understood this. They had a mindset for this. They realized a city on a hill cannot be hidden. Mount Zion in Jerusalem, a hill that shone forth the glory of God. Okay, so... All right, I don't know. How are we doing? Okay. <laughs> Woo! This is like spring loaded. All right, so what did, what did, what's that, dear? All right. What did, um, uh, what did David's tabernacle, tabernacle look like? Well, it was experiential worship. It wasn't a, it wasn't a formula. It wasn't a form, it was experiential. It was deep, intimate fellowship with the presence of God. It was an open display it was experience. It was, it was an experiential experience. It, was a, it wasn't some kind of quiet, quiet thing. It was actually full of glory, full of joy, full of sounds, full of skill, motion, dance, ministering to the Lord 24-7. That's what it was. It was 24-7 happening. Um, this is cool. Second Chronicles 25-7, it says, Their number who were trained in singing to the Lord with their relatives, all who were skillful, was 288. Yeah. And then, it, and then so it was all about, and even that, it wasn't about so much about singing the top 40 worship songs of the New Cart Day. That was a joke. It was about 
pouring out your heart to the Lord and singing with joy and celebration. And sure, there was, it wasn't always loud for sure. Well, it was, it was pretty loud, but there were, it, was, it, was, it was a freedom. It was a freedom is what I'm trying to get at. It was all about prophetic worship. And it's so 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 4 says this. It says, And he appointed certain uh, of the Levites to minister before the ark of the Lord and to record and thank and praise the Lord God of Israel. So what would happen was they, they would have these 288 singers and musicians, but not only that, they'd have people there recording what they were singing and saying. You read some of them in the Psalms, actually. But they'd record what they were saying and singing these new songs, these new sounds. It says in 2 Chronicles 15.22 that uh, Chenaniah, chief of the Levites, was in charge of the singing, and he gave skillful instruction in singing because he was skillful. Wow. So we don't apologize. Like, I I get it. Not, Not everyone in the nation of Israel was on the worship team. Thank the Lord for that, eh? <laughs> Because there was something about offering God, so there was a skillfulness, and they trained them. They trained them in skill, and they appointed singers and musicians. It was all, it was all done like that, but it wasn't based on, you've got a good heart, so let's get you up there like that. No, 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 it was based on, you, 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 let's work with the gift God's given you, and let's, let's develop this, and let's go for it, Right? It's so beautiful. I, I just love it. But yet, in the nation, though, in the whole nation, the nation was a worshiping nation. Even though not all of them were on the platforms, so to speak, right? All right. Um, yeah. This is cool, too. First Chronicles 25, verse 1. This is a description of this tabernacle of David. Moreover, David and the commanders of the army set apart for the service of the sons of Asaph and Heman, uh, who were to prophesy with le- uh, uh, harps and cymbals. They were to prophesy with their harps and cymbals. Wow. Isn't that interesting? So they set people apart, and they're like, okay, we're going to help you sing better, because we, we see this gift on you, but we're also we're going to get you so you can prophesy on your instruments. I'm looking forward to the day when we're in a corporate meeting, worship is happening, and um, whoever's playing, let's just pick up the bass, for example. All of a sudden, God says, I want to I prophesy on the bass. And whoever's got that instrument at the time starts to play out what they feel the heart of God is releasing at the time. And just through the frequency of the, of the vibration of the note that's going on, boom, boom, like this, people are getting healed. They, 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 the drums there, so somebody's on the drums, and it's like, hey, okay, and this has happened before to a degree, you know what I'm talking about, but where, where it's like, there's God's heart is to be released through the instrument of the drums. And so all of a sudden, drums are going off. Bah, 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 bah. Could be one note. Boom, boom, boom. Some people would might be like Saul's wife or David's wife looking and going, what is that? While other people who are receiving what God's saying are getting set free. Boom. Addictions leaving. Boom. Depression lifting. Boom. Transformation happening. Exceedingly above, abundantly above and beyond what you can imagine. What, what, if, what if we took our worship beyond? What if, we, what, if we, what if we worshiped like we were beyond the veil, which we are? But are you, you know what I'm saying today, right? And this is just a small picture of some of the stuff that, were, that was happening, which I believe God is restoring. It says in Chronicles, 1 Chronicles 9.33, now these are the singers, the heads of the fathers of the household of, Le- of the Levites, who lived in the chambers of the temple, free from other service, for they were engaged in their work day and night. Huh. Come on. Isn't that cool? So there were actually people that were engaged. I actually think that there, there were uh, 
we don't have it here. I can't get into it now. But there were other people, too, that would just help. Financing wasn't an issue. Isn't that interesting? You don't see them getting up saying, okay, guys, we really, really would like to hire some more singers. So could you just dig in a little bit deeper and just give a little more? Would you, would you help? Would you, you know what I'm saying? Because there was a culture, there was just a culture of, of, of generosity. There was a culture of, of uh, abundance. It was an abundant culture. It was a, it was a culture beyond. Hooey. So that was like part one on the beyond, beyond worship. But I want to say this. Let's, let's call the worship team back up in closing. And um, what I'd like us to do is, uh, I was intentional in, in sharing about this, just about this one component um, today regarding worship, because of we want to start preparing our hearts for, even for that weekend that we have when we have a special, we're dedicating the weekend to Beyond. That's what we're doing. It's called Beyond, the weekend, when Justin's here with us. And... Um, I just want to focus in on this one thing this morning, though, that, Lord, I pray that our hearts would be found uh, burning, that our hearts would be burning for you, that we wouldn't, we wouldn't be satisfied to experience worship through carrying your presence on a new, a new cart or even despising what other people are doing or looking down on other people, judging in our hearts. But we would be people who would have a burning heart, a burning passionate love for you, that we would, our heart would just burn, that we would be, uh, that our worship experience, our, our ongoing worship with you, not just corporately, but every day, our intimate worship with you would go beyond what we've experienced, beyond what we've asked for, beyond what we can imagine. That our worship, we would be, we would be, it would be like, man. When I get around you, my heart burns. I can sense your burning heart. The passion that you carry inside is contagious, and I can feel it too. 